Hello there, everyone. It's season four. It's episode one. I'm here with the amazing Dr. Amelia Erbs, who is a therapist specializing in all things nerdy. Amelia plays games, is a panelist at conventions, is also a fellow writer, and we essentially go on an incredible tangent about the Witcher, legendary character, Regis. Uh, this is essentially a spoiler for all things Witcher, you have been warned, as well as all usual shenanigans you have come to expect, and I hope love about this show. What an excellent way to kick off season four, and for context please note this was recorded in November 2023. Hello there everyone and welcome back to not only another episode but also another season of Sight to be with you because I'm such a wild thing I'm going to keep producing it until basically people will stop agreeing to be on it because that's the type of show this is. So we're back, season 4, episode Juan, fresh. Um, Jeremy Beremy, when you're hearing this it's a new year so I hope 2024 is treating you well so far i'll let you know how we get along when i get there myself um future me hope you hope you're smashing it <laughs> but we're kicking off with a fantastic guest for a chat that i'm sure will be insightful delightful and dare i say hilarious uh, all it remains for me to do is pass over to you my very special guest so please introduce yourself tell us who you are and what you do yeah. Hi, I'm Dr. Amelia Hurst. I am a psychotherapist in the gaming space. Um, I mainly, my main gig is to see therapy clients. Um, I use games of all kinds in therapy, both I use them to play, uh, to kind of like get folks talking. Um, and then I also like to use the narratives of games to kind of help expand in a, a person's like either interpersonal difficulties or to give them a little more insight into what's going on very you can tell you're a professional and have done that before um I, <laughs> so let, let's let's unpack that let's unpack that a little bit let's break it off so For sure. therapist get yes. if if no one has any idea what a therapist is can you can you break that down for us well we all have mental health stuff normally for the most part unless you have stellar mental health and if that's the case what is your secret and can we can we extract your brain so we can figure out why um it in the comments so for, <laughs> yeah please come my direction um so pretty much that's what i'm here for is if anyone's struggling with something if they've got a temporary you know problem that they want a little additional help kind of sorting through if you've got lifelong stuff that you feel like you put off on the back burner for too long you got depression if you got anxiety if it works kind of being crummy to you hello you talk to people like me um so it's more or less what it is i mean every therapist is different i'm the type of person that i like to have back and forth conversations i also tend to get a little like deep dive into stuff um, some folks like to do things like, you know, here's a chart, here's paperwork, here's here's a here's a plan we're gonna go through together. That's not me. I tend to be a little off the rails with stuff, but mm -hmm. that's what a therapist does. I mean, that was again very fun, very succinct uh definition. Uh can can you just clarify for us whereabouts in the world you provide therapy and what oh, yeah. your uh this sounds like an interview question, but what's your qualification? What flavor of therapist <laughs> are you? <laughs> uh well qualifications uh pretty easy i am a doctor of psychology 
So I went through not just a master's program, which uh, in the United States, you just typically need a master's to be able to provide therapy. Um, I decided that uh, fueled out of pure spite, I was also going to get my doctorate. So here I am. Uh, <laughs> I am currently practicing in the Seattle, Washington area. All of my clients are based in Washington state. For those of you that are in the United States, you will probably know that we can only practice in the states in which we are licensed. And hopefully by the time this comes out, I will be officially a licensed psychologist in the state of Washington. That would be amazing. Um, for me, the kind of therapy that I do is I'm like a systems therapist. I believe that all of the institutions that come into either um, our circle, our neighborhoods, our families, uh, the schools that we go to, the the place that the government is in at this time is actually what largely affects us. So I believe that like throwing everything else out the window and going, this is a you problem doesn't actually help us. <laughs> so that's how I like to view the world, which is how adding video games into it's actually been really easy for me. Um, and I typically see like teens and young adults and adults love kids. But since I do a lot of telehealth, trying to get kids of a certain age to sit in front of a camera and talk to me isn't easy. So the, the, the business acumen there is, is do it on an iPad. Kids are always looking at iPads. <laughs> That's business hack. You know what? I should just let the parents like, sure, I don't mind seeing kiddo. Is there a way that we can get this to work? And they probably say that. They'd probably be like, yeah, let me just get the tablets. <laughs> me, me basing this solely on seeing an annoying amount of children in restaurants with iPads. No other oh, yeah? evidence. Like, that, I feel like that's a very common thing here in the UK. But 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 anyway, the reason I asked all that <laughs> is because that's very important because in the US actually has ethical standards around what and who can do therapy. The mm -hmm. UK doesn't. Um, so it's very important that we that we hash that out. So you're a doctor of psychology, which is a side mm -hmm. D, uh, as we yes. would know it. Um, there's basically it's it's basically a wild west over here to be honest you can you can pretty much do whatever oh. you want with an undergraduate degree which is terrifying um you can register to like a couple of legal bodies but this is optional um, oh interesting so hence why i asked for the more perfunctory definition oh yeah yeah no here in the u.s um you do ultimately sh you should be licensed at some point um but if you're not you have to be supervised by somebody that is licensed if you don't have it. So currently that's the state that I'm in right now is I am a postdoctoral resident. I am currently studying for my big licensing exam. And then once I take the licensing exam, I can do whatever I want within ethical standards. <laughs> At that point, I don't have to have somebody above me telling me what, what I'm doing um, is right or wrong. Uh, but for the most part, I'm at that stage in my postdoc that my supervisor, we look at each other for a few minutes and he goes, everything's cool. I'm like, everything's cool. He's like, great. And then we move on. <laughs> I, I really can't stress this enough. The UK is very much like, finish your undergrad, know how to make a website with a website maker. Good luck. Goodness. <laughs> would, uh, like, do I know anyone personally who would go to someone without at least a master's for therapy? No. Mm -hmm. Like, would I blame anyone if they signed up for a session with someone like that because they had a nice website? Also, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also yeah, have a sure. weird dichotomy here where, like, counseling is separate to, like, psychologists and therapy, but both get called mm -hmm. therapy. And, like, counseling is predominantly 
like strictly CBT focused, cognitive behavioral therapy focused, and like psychology goes beyond that. So it's a whole issue. Beyond all that, you're also a nerdy flavor therapist, which is arguably my favorite flavor of person, to be honest. Um, (laughs) Do people have flavors? It's been, it's, it's been, it's evening when we're recording this in my time. So I've had a whole (laughs) day. Okay. Let's just leave it out. I'm, I'm not my own guest. Luckily, that would be a shambles. Hilarious though. Really should try stand up. Anyway, <clears throat> how how does that work? Because we we've just kind of explained what therapy is. How do you then apply those more nerdy features to enhance that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not just with geeky interests or nerdy interests, but also just with interests in general. I believe taking our interests and putting them into therapy is just important. Um, With geeky and nerdy interests, it's a little easier because we can do things like applying the narrative. Um, So for instance, um, I adore The Witcher, just like Dr. Coward, probably not as much as Dr. Coward, maybe, Um, or or The Elder Scrolls. I love one very particular part of The Witcher. So I think her and I have have obsessive interests in different spectrums. Uh, <laughs> um, so The Witcher, or The Elder Scrolls, or let's say like The Last of Us, which is really big. Um, and if there's like part of the narrative that really sits with us, it is, well, why does it sit with us? Or I'm really attached to this thing. And this is the thing from my childhood that I've been working on how do we connect that? And can we connect it? In a lot of cases we can, you know, especially if we're like viewing stories with like these parental figures that take care of us. And we felt like we never got that when we were young, like we're going to be drawn to those games because in a way we feel like we're being nurtured again. Um, do not broadly apply that to your friends, everyone. This is just an example. <laughs> Illustrative example only. Yes. Yes. Um, so we can do that through a narrative lens or we can do it through play. I know that there's a psychologist out there that has used Minecraft to work with individuals with OCD um, to help slowly like test the resilience of like, okay, we built this beautiful thing. You messed up with one block. Let's breathe through this together. Let's do the grounding stuff. Like I understand it's going to, but let's sit with this together. Um, Or Dungeons and Dragons, which I know is something our lovely host here has a bit of a background in as well, um, that using things like Dungeons and Dragons, creating these characters, we either become the characters that we want to become or the characters end up becoming us in some way. Um, and then we're able to like tackle some complex themes that's hard to do, you know, face to face. For me, I ran a bunch of social anxiety groups in universities for a while. And guess what? It's a lot of people that are willing to do stuff out of the ordinary if it's sitting around a table rolling dice. So... Funny, funny how, powers. funny how that like really opens up people's views. Uh, for, I feel I I always like to self plug on the show, so do pardon me, but check out um back end the last season. Check out the episode with Doctor Elizabeth Kilmer for a lot more on therapeutic tabletop role playing games. Mm-hmm. Good, good for promo. Um, okay, so I feel like that makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the Last of Us because this is one of my favorite anecdotes. Played through like the first game on the OG PlayStation Three. People are like, it's amazing. I cried in the first five minutes. I I didn't I didn't think it was that emotional. I'll be honest. I thought it was very clear what was gonna happen. And I thought, like, well, I'm not attached to the character. I don't really care. We don't need to go in what that says about me. 
because um, luckily this isn't a therapy session. But uh, <laughs> you know that you know I thought it was a very good game. If anything, slightly overrated. Controversial opinion, maybe. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna flash forward in time a few months to the to the next PAX where Chris is at, and there's going to be some some hangout after the convention where. Amelia is suddenly going to go, let's talk about that Last of Us confession that you had. I'm really interested in why. And then he's going to remember this moment and regret it. It's going to be great. We'll tell you all how it ends up. Yeah, that's going to make PAX East really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Lovely. Um, Okay. So there's all that. That's a lot of stuff. That's really cool. Is -hmm. there, obviously, because therapy, there are certain caveats that you can and can't talk about, which I appreciate. But what other work do you do you do you mentioned packs there that stuff that we can shout about let's talk about that i'm yeah, saying this like i haven't been at packs and on panels with you but the guests the <laughs> listeners might not know that about my guests you know that's very true i typically tend to go to like hey i'm a therapist that's my main gig and i don't tend to talk about anything else um so I go to conventions and I talk about this stuff. I talk about mental health representation in games and I talk about community building and I talk about, you know, how to do an appropriate like session zero, which is coming up at PAX Unplugged. Um, I have those conversations like with broader audiences as well. Uh, This last year, I actually went to the American Psychological Association and I talked about like using Dungeons and Dragons as scaffolding, you know, to work with autistic folks. Um, that was with autistic advocate Peter Young, who's pretty cool. Um, he He's kind of like the, the person that pushed me to get there. So I'm taking it out of the gaming space as well, and then also bringing it into the mental health and psychology space, which I actually think is probably a little harder to traverse. Uh, the mental health, the gaming space is like mental health stuff. Neat. The mental health space is like gaming stuff. We thought it was the devil five years ago. Uh, so it's it's been an interesting kind of navigating navigating that world as well. I also feel like there's a lot in the gaming space that's like, everyone talks about mental health here and how there's basically no support for it. Let's just yep. get five random people to have discussion about it on a really public platform. We don't need licensed or accredited professionals. Which is the kind of scary other end of that spectrum, am I right? Like, yeah, those are the conversations I like to scroll past. Yes. I have an obligation to correct misinformation, but not when 10 of my friends are doing it instead. Then I'm just like, good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't have the, I don't have the spoons for this, especially <laughs> since I work with a lot of folks in the tech and gaming industry. It's still like, I already hear about how, how not supported it is on a one-on-one basis. Seeing so it on Twitter too just reinforces that. I'm going to say Twitter. I'm not going to say X. Um, it's my stubborn bit. Uh, so on top of that, on top of conventions, um, I have I have a lovely book over my shoulder, which uh, Chris just recently had Dr. Rachel Coart on for the Zeitgeist of Pop Culture, The Witcher. Um, so I'm doing a lot more psychological writing in the gaming space, which is awesome. Um, I wrote about my favorite character in the entire world. Uh, Regis. <laughs> I actually uh, stole a clip from Chris's interview with Rachel, which I'm going to eventually post at some point where they talk about that chapter. So but this, is, this at- is an excellent chance to parlay and talk about <laughs> your side. Because I'm, I'm a, I've said this to you via text, I'm a Regis stan. Love mm-hmm. him. Big fan. I'm on. I, I, I was reading the books and then I put them down because I was reading them for the chapter that I wrote. 
Uh, so I'm yeah. unlike Lady of the Lake. So spoiler warning for Witcher books. I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you when it ends, so just skip ahead and hope for the best, fam. Um, they're old books. Come on. How many years has it been now? Anyway, and you'll, they'll be it's on... Been, it's been a while. They'll be on the show. Talk about Regis. The, the man, the myth, the legend. Right? Yes. So let, yes. let's start with your chapter, though, because we heard Rachel talk about in the little scientific video. So check that Check that out. Previous episode. Just follow the playlist up. It goes. And... Hit, you know, your chapter made her cry. That's, Love that. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty big. But Regis is legit one of the best characters in the entire series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If not one of the best fictional characters of all time. And I mean that as he is one of the healthiest male representations in fantasy that I feel like I've ever seen. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why I really started liking him. Um, because he not only is this character that is willing to push the boundaries of his own safety in order to help others, he is also, he thinks through things. He doesn't necessarily let his logic stop him. He is, he is infallible, um, you know, or fallible. That's it. Um, he's got issues <laughs> and he admits it when he sees it and when, when he's called out on it. Um, and he's willing to look at himself and attempt to change based off of that. Um, I think there are, sure, there are other characters that are like that, um, not only in The Witcher, but in other books as well. But I think they when they took him off the pages and put him into the video game for the Blood and Wine expansion, they just, they like, they max that out times 10. Because um, he was not only willing to like do what he can to protect somebody that he loved and cared about, but he was also willing to admit that continuing to do that was going to cause a lot of harm to a lot of people. So he was willing to back up and admit that he was wrong and do what he could to then eventually help Geralt. Um, and I just think that like a character with that level of insight and that willingness to let go of their pride is huge. And I think that just makes him so healthy and so nice and he's so funny and it's just... He's perfect. <laughs> to me, he's perfect, at least. So how did it go pitching that chapter? I mean, did you just say that to Dr. Koa and just be like, yeah, this is my direct <laughs> chapter on him? Like... More or less, actually. Uh, it was kind of funny because I was actually included in an email um, of folks when she was trying to like seek out people that she knew that liked The Witcher. And she knew that I liked Regis. She wasn't really uh, aware of the character at that time. Um, but I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I love The Witcher. She was like, oh, yeah, Geralt. Right. I'm like, yeah, Geralt's OK. Uh, but <laughs> I, there's this character called Regis and he's amazing and I love him. And she's just like, OK, cool. Right on. Let's do a cosplay one year. And I said, cool. And that was kind of the end of the conversation until she reached out. And in the email, she had my name. And next to my name, she had something about Regis. And I was like, oh. What a moment. Just write for my book that is going to be my baby and I'm really proud of. And I'm giving you the license to write about a character I know nothing about. And I'm like, I will make you proud. Um, so essentially, then I pitched the whole thing where it's like, Regis is a vampire. For those of you that don't know, that's also a spoiler. But you learn that pretty quickly, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and if you played the game, you know. Um, Regis is a vampire. He is a monster. And that's how Geralt treats him from the get-go. But he's not a monster. Quite frankly, he's more humane than most of the humans that he comes into contact with. So my pitch to Rachel was, I want to talk about how Regis, as a monster, helped Geralt gain more humanity. And she was like, wow, <laughs> never thought of that. Also, vampire. I was like, yeah, 
So we could get into this massive meta discussion on like, because, you know, there's there's a, we're in spoiler territory. There's a point in the books where it's like, you know, is Geralt even truly a witcher anymore? Well, yeah. what does that mean? Like, is he not more focused on trying to find Yen and Siri that, you know, there are other monsters that he doesn't kill? People like read just yeah. comment on that and they kind of call him out and be like, oh, you don't seem to be doing the things you would usually do. I think one of my favorite Regis moments. Um, I forget which book it's in, but and I'm, I'm going to try and say this in the least triggering way possible. But where they draw straws to comfort Milva, mm-hmm. and they're all like, "Right, lads, um, one of us has got to do it." Fairest way is just draw straws, like, and the way he kind of approaches that and is like, "Listen, like some, like one of us should. We can't all go over. That's going to be overwhelming." And like, you know, of course, it's then Geralt that has to go over and be comforting. But I just think that's one of the great moments of that, like applied logic with emotion and be like, one of us needs to do this, but it's it's going to be a crap job. Yeah. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, he there, there wasn't even, there was still even like a nudge towards Geralt to be like, honestly, man, if there's someone that she wants to like comfort her, it's, it's going to be you. Um, and I think Geralt probably ultimately realized that was kind of the case anyway. Um, but that whole section with Milva and, um, what she was going through at that time, it just, the fact that he was willing to concoct a potion for her if she needed it, the fact that he only held on to it, um, unless she said something to him. And then when she made the decision, he didn't question her. He just chucked it and was like, she has made her decision. And then when she ended up really harmed during the one battle, like he didn't hesitate to jump in and save her, even with Dandelion and Geralt going, run, move. Like, what are you doing? He was like, no, this is important. Like, she's going to die if I don't do something right now. Um, Now, mind you, as we all know, he's a higher vampire. He's a little indestructible, except towards the end of the books. (laughs) Um, So he, he could theoretically do whatever the hell he wanted in the middle of chaos and be fine. Um, but his, his willingness to like sort through the logic of a situation, but then also like his caring nature to just jump right in and do what he has to do. Like Geralt threatened him multiple times when he was trying to care care for Dandelion and he's like, keep showing back up. (laughs) (laughs) Like I need to change his bandages. Like, and Geralt's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, all right, we'll try. And then just keeps taking care of Dandelion. It's, it's amazing. Just that's 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 the entire chapter folks it's me like giving examples and going he's amazing like after every chapter after every paragraph it's great (laughs) truly the pontification of fan service yeah pretty much pretty much the fact that i was able to write that and actually get it into the book surprises me still i told her i'm like you just like you took my love letter and you put it in the book and you said that it was okay thank you (laughs) I'm still impressed that I got as many jokes passed through editing in my chapter than, than <laughs> like, like I was like, oh, this this is funny. It like really paints a picture, but there's no way this will end up in a final version. Then no, it's it's there. Um, I refer to like um, uh, Ker Mahone as the Witcher frat house at one point, just like <laughs> as a throwaway, and like it ended up in the print version. I, I was like, love it. Like th- like. You know exactly, like, that paints such a great picture, though, right? Um, so, you know, I think I'm funny. So, if, if I could ask a slightly dangerous question. Sure. 
if you couldn't have written about Regis, what would you have written about? Oh, no. <sighs> if anything. It's a whole thing. I love The Witcher, but I love Regis. <laughs> um, what I what would I have written about? It's a it's a toffee. I feel like I would have still done psychology of monstrosity, um, but more so talk about how Geralt's opinions slash approaches to monsters soften over time. Either that, or I talk about the elves and oh, the elder okay. races, and <clears throat> both like how they were cast out but then also additionally how they engaged in their own forms of like xenophobia and racism as well um because elves have been treated awful and you see that but then at the same time they're also depending on what sect you talk to they're also not the kindest either especially in blood and wine um not just in blood and wine but um in the wild hunt and then even in the books like you know with siri having to go off the elvish kingdom it's just like it's just such jerks too at times it's like i'm interested like because you know you you know way more about it than i do full fully appreciate that how do you kind of separate like the the head canon of it all because i know that, like the games are technically an expansion of the universe that is non-canonical after the events mm -hmm. of the books but like a lot of the people know of the witcher through the games exclusively and then might yeah. be confused when they go back and read it or even watch the popular Netflix show. Oh, that's a dangerous that if there's a dangerous question, that's the dangerous <laughs> question. Um, Wait until I ask so, what your thoughts on the show. Uh, they nailed it in the first season. Uh and they tried to rally in the third, but we already knew that we were losing Henry Cavill. So I think that we were all kind of grumpy about it. I've done my best um, to look at the show and go, they're taking their own spin to it and trying to respect that. But I'm sorry, the second season was very, 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 very hard for me as someone who loves the book so much. Um, and I and I'm terrified. Like that's the whole thing. Like, you know, season they're getting they're ramping up for season four if they're not already writing for it. And uh this is this is the time when Regis should be coming into the into the show. And I'm I'm just a little, just a little terrified at how they end up rating him and casting him. <laughs> Do you think they're going to make Regis sexy? And that's not a question I thought I'd ask on this show. <laughs> um, I don't know, actually, because the way that they describe him um, is that he's like a tall, slender, gaunt man with like, like a, like a, like a big nose. Like they tell him he like, he looks like a tax collector. So if they make him sexy, that is one sexy tax collector, if that's the case. And I'm going to say that multiple times across social media. Um, so I don't know. I can see them going like the old wise man route. But then I can also, if they do end up making him sexy, my concern with that is that he's not going to be the calm, gentle, well thought out, you know, uh, kind of like, I don't know, fatherly kind of figure we see at times even though he tries to reject that on a few occasions. Like, I'm afraid that, like, we're going to lose some of that. Because if they make him sexy, they might potentially make him, like, sassy. Now thinking about Baldur's Gate. Uh, <laughs> so I think that would be my concern, mm. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, they'd almost erase who he is as a character, for the most part. Um, Which, as but we, then if he's as the we can establish, would be devastating. I mean, to me, personally. <laughs> 
everyone be like, I know, I know why you like him. He's so great. I'm a big stand too. And I'm crying in a corner somewhere going, but that's not him. I mean, good <laughs> on you, Netflix, but that's not him. Um, yeah, I cannot tell you. They may, if they take him the wise old man route, I think I'd be a little disappointed. Um, but I think that it would feel more at home to me, I think. We could let's let's do that thing that TikTok talks about a lot. Let's manifest. Do you think <laughs> can you think of someone who you would like cast as Regis? You know what? Somebody did ask me that, and I actually don't know. I don't know. Um, I would like the game version of him if they can find a human that's similar enough to that, and I'd like to copy paste, that would be that would quite literally be perfection for me. Mm. <laughs> um but I don't know, because they don't seem to, they don't really see other than Doug, apparently, uh, you know, having some way in with with Henry. It sounds like there's not a whole lot of crossover between CD Projekt Red and the writers at Netflix, but. Interesting. Interesting stuff. A little sad. It's a little sad. But to your, but to your question originally about the games, <clears throat> I'm more likely to think that the games are a little more canon. Because the way that they set them up to like almost end where the last Witcher book is, um, where Geralt disappears and his mind is gone and um, all of that, other than like, other than them like jumping pretty significantly into the future to kind of show what everything looks like. I think they beautifully like slotted in the three games right from when he's like down and, you know, everything is confusing and Yen's gone and all of that to the end of blood and wine i feel like other than the fact that you could potentially romance tris we're not going to get into that um other than that um it slots in really nicely those three games right in that in-between period and mm. also selfishly spoilers once again to everyone um including you i don't know if you've <laughs> i think you've read i think you've read this section if you haven't i apologize i'm about to ruin it for you they they essentially killed regis in in lady of the lake um, but through using vampire magic and all that type of stuff, um, they were able to come up with actually a pretty believable explanation to why he's back in Blood and Wine. So selfishly, I would like to think, I'd like to be like, yeah, the games are perfect. You know, they did such a good job connecting it because, of course, they brought my boy back and they brought him back like 10 times better than he was in the books. Narrative plot magic. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, fair, fair. No, no, it makes sense. I think, yeah, like, it's just, you know, I I, I, I enjoyed reading the books a lot, and I think, like, you know, so this is the thing, have you, so have you played all three of the games? Yes. Okay, because a lot of people tell me, like, you don't need to play the first two. The first one's, like, very clunky and quite difficult. The second one, I feel like no one ever talks about, but, like, Witcher 3 is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... The first game is that's the that's the whole problem is that the first game is very very clunky i wouldn't suggest anyone goes back to play it um but there's so much good rich story stuff in the first one as i keep hitting my mic <laughs> so much rich story stuff um that i personally went back and played it despite wanting to scream a few times because <laughs> of some of the old mechanics um because you get all of that. You get, like, you know, this memoryless witcher trying to do his best to figure things out. Um, 
at one point there's this like little party where we meet Shawnee for the first time. Um, well, we meet Shawnee for the first time in the game, but it's a it's a party at Shawnee's house and Dandelion's there. And then you can bring like a, a guest of your choice to go. But regardless, there's a conversation that Dandelion has with uh, Geralt where he goes, not all monsters are monsters and kind of has this back and forth with him about that. Geralt's like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And he's like, you had a vampire friend by the name of Regis. And like, that's actually one of the first times Regis is mentioned in the games is game one through that conversation. And that's context that you wouldn't know if you didn't read the books, which is hysterical to me. Um, Witcher 2 is kind of like, let's talk about the bad politics of the continent. So you get a lot more of like, you know, the the Scoia'tael and like their their struggles and then what's happening in Redania and all of that. And then three was just perfect. Like Siri comes back, <laughs> Yen's reintroduced, like there's chaos abounds, but ah, does it not? It feels like the Witcher again. Um, but um, honestly, I love all of them. For, for context, this kind of uh, includes a section with, with, with twixt parts of the last book for Clary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of like fills in some blanks. Yes, it does. Right. Which which is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So I mean, I would at risk of this just turning into a full uh Witcher episode <laughs> again. Just it's happened on this podcast more than you'd think. Um like what would your advice be to someone I'm gonna say akin to myself because I have started playing The Witcher 3, but like where where would I start with The Witcher if I hadn't? If you hadn't started playing The Witcher yeah. 3? Well, just if I if I had no... I, I knew what the series was, but I haven't watched it, read it, played it. Where would you recommend? Um, It depends on who you are. Um, Good If answer. you are somebody that does really enjoy, like, reading, um, or if you, like, if you're an audiobook person, I would honestly say try to jump into the books. Like, Last Wish. Last Wish is accessible and it's bite-sized, which really helps. Um. <clears throat> So last wish, and then if last wish does it for you, then then read the saga. Um, if you are somebody that's like, mm, reading's really not my thing, I'm not sure, then I honestly, jumping into the third Witcher game is probably the best. Yes, there are going to be characters that don't make sense to you. Yes, you're going to feel like you're trying to catch up to like, who is this person? What is this thing? But if you like pay attention to like a lot of the, the backstory, if you pay attention to the dialogue, you actually catch up fairly quickly um that's what i would say i would say the series but i would say prepare for a different experience and a different way to view the witcher if you see the series okay and dr amelia plays the witcher trilogy youtube let's play when (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i actually have considered it but now that i know that cd project red is remaking the first witcher i'm I'm sitting idly by and waiting. I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how you redesign that and, and how, because then surely they've got to do the second one as well. And then it'll be interesting to see a whole new wave of fans kind of pick up these plot threads from the books that, you know, mm-hmm. the TV show hasn't caught up with yet. And chaos, <laughs> chaos. Definitely chaos. Yeah, because I don't think I'd replay the first one even if it was for something like a let's listen to amelia talk about the connection between the book and the video game which i which that's the entire youtube video would just be me just talking I'd, the I'd entire time <laughs> good i'm happy all right one one viewer um <laughs> i don't think i don't think going back to the mechanics as much as i love the game would be worth it for me 
Okay, and the last last thing. What what is what's the shade we throw in my girl Triss? Oh no. Oh, if you don't play the first two games, you don't know that she gaslights Geralt and tries to hide stuff from him and isn't honest about some of his history until he finally confronts her about it. She has to admit things to him, which I think is scummy since we know she's obsessed with him. I think that's that's not the move, Triss. <laughs> it's not the move. Yeah, g- gaslighting and manipulation is generally not good flirting. Yep. I'd yep. say it's bad flirting, to be honest. Yeah, and like uh, maybe when they redo it, they'll play her differently, but I know when they played her in the first game, like if he would start getting close to something and asking very specific questions based off of what he was hearing, she like would get nasty with him. And it was just like, ooh, ouch. So like playing the third game and then going back and playing the first game and seeing that, I was like, oh, ow, yikes. <laughs> like she's really nice in the third game. She's not in the first two. <laughs> it's really it's really interesting as well, because believe it or not, I actually own like the director's cut version of the first game. And mm-hmm. like like most, you know, I have a very like logical brain. So I was like, I want to play Witcher 3 but I should definitely play the first two first because that's how games work. And like mm-hmm. booted it up and you just literally throw one into chaos. Like a building is falling down and people are like, Geralt, do you not know who I am? And I'm like, no, what is happening? <laughs> and like trying to fight anything is like running into a wall at 100 mile an hour. Um, it's an experience. Like definitely, like, you know, if you get it on sale, it's worth it just for the lols. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, I agree. I agree. Um, I think the first game also got a lot of heat because you collected trading cards of all of the women you slept with. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so spicy time. Uh, you do. Um, and they're very artistically painted uh, nude portraits of said women. Um, and when I went into that, I was like, oh, this is gross. Like, I don't like that. But then I'm also an achievement hunter. <laughs> So oh, no. I tried to collect all of the cards. Uh, don't do that to me, CD Projekt Red. Never do that to me again, ever. So Because you're going to an- be like collectible, and I'm going to be like, I collect the collectible. This this is another fun Chris playing The Witcher moment. I did not realize that there was like nudity in it. Like no, oh. one, <laughs> no one had told me this. And Oops. I was playing it on Twitch. And, like, it was one of the missions where you meet um, Kira, you know, the one, mm-hmm. of the, one of the witches, oh, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, Kira Metz. That's the one, you know what I mean? And, like, like I was like, those rabbits, are, those rabbit polygons are very close together. That's not right. And then, like, you know, I was like, oh, nudie, hide screen. I was like, guys, we're just, no one, don't get me banned. No one saw nothing. <laughs> it, was, it was at best a nip slip. No one saw anything. Uh, and then like a good like you know five minutes of just chat having to watch my embarrassed face as this cutscene played out Um, that was a fun day at the office Um, I've then since learned that there are even more (laughs) explicit scenes in the game Yeah. Um, so that was you know again fun fun day at the office Um, I love it so yeah, really interested to see what to do with the remaster of the original. Yeah, that is. Um, my guess is they're going to forego the trading cards this time, which I think is the the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, let's flip this coin over and talk okay. about your other love of games. You mentioned the Elder Scrolls. I'm going to put my hands yes. up and say it's another game series that I've not really played. Um, mostly because there was definitely a long time where like the idea of a first-person fantasy game kind of blew my brain a little bit. But mm, also like Skyrim and basically any open-world game, Witcher 3 included, all the Grand Theft Auto games, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom slash Breath of the Wild are so massive that I get immobilized by fear of going, oh, there's yeah. too much to do and I can't do it all and I don't have the time. Then I put the games on, pick it up a few months later, utterly confused as to what I was doing and rinse and repeat. So Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, yeah. tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's actually a quick, a quick aside. So I started playing The Witcher 3 after I finished Skyrim because I was told you like Skyrim, you like fantasy, you like open world, you'll like The Witcher. And I got so annoyed trying to like shift the mechanics in my brain that I actually put The Witcher down because I was so angry about it. Um, and then I didn't pick it up for another year. And I and I had that moment where I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> What's going on right now? Um, happy I picked it up, by the way um what what Skyrim, was what was the shift that made that quite difficult um so i played it on playstation mm -hmm. um both skyrim and the third witcher just because that's all i had at the time and between the signs and then the sword like the sword uh control was different um and there's two of them and like one only works on monsters and i was just like this is too much i can't deal with this Skyrim seems a little easier mechanic-wise, I think. And probably due to, the, like, the five-year difference between when they were released. That makes sense. I think The Witcher was 2016. Mm -hmm. I think so. Mm -hmm. Fans don't tear me apart if I'm wrong. My memory's not good with numbers. Um, I mean, the year it released is unimportant. You, you, you know, you, you've smashed it. You know what I mean? You've played the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Skyrim is what got me back into gaming. So I gamed a lot as a kid. Like I, I like to tell the story that my mom was playing Game Boy uh, when she was waiting to deliver me. Um, so like gaming's always kind of been a thing for me and my family. Um, but I put it down for a while. I don't know why. I just like, Life. guess I didn't keep up with anything. Yeah. Um, I graduated college and then suddenly got a PlayStation 4 and I was like I want to get back into this thing I like fantasy stuff and a friend of mine's like well then you would like Skyrim and then I got Skyrim and then I didn't stop playing Skyrim for a year and a half straight <laughs> that's like that's all I wanted to do, to do it. it is though um so the whole idea the the expansive open world thing since I wasn't as familiar with that at that time because I did a lot more like you know, like the original Assassin's Creed where it's pretty straightforward. Um, I was like, what on earth is going on here? And then it's like, look over here, look at how long my task list is. Well, I want to finish everything on my task list, achievement hunting. Um, I ended up getting the platinum in like a year and a half. Now, mind you, everyone, this is the first year of my doctorate. I had, Whoa, I was working. What? <laughs> what? I'm saying, sorry, I'm taking the glasses off. What? <laughs> Yeah, no, it was. I like I started my doctorate and happened to get Skyrim two months into it. And I was like, yeah, let okay. me try it out. Who, and then, whoever yeah. got you Skyrim, like, why do they not value <laughs> your education? <laughs> to be fair, uh, I think that person thought I was going to treat it like I treated the Batman 
Arkham games at that time where I was going to start it. I was going to play it for a few days and then I was going to put it down and then get distracted by life. So I think their assumption was, oh, we'll get Skyrim on sale because it was like around the holidays. Get Skyrim on sale. I'm going to play it for a few days and I'm going to put it down, not touch it again. Uh, And then they ended up being wrong. They ended up being very, very wrong. (laughs) They like went on vacation with their uh, with their family for two weeks. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do while I'm gone? I'm going to be like, oh, you know, normal stuff. And it's just me not going to bed until 3 a.m. for like a week straight because I'm just like so immersed in Skyrim. It would come to the point that we only had like one TV in the house. So I'd like pop my head down. I'd be like, can I play can I play video games? <laughs> it's like totally had to like release the TV in the living room to me so I could sit there and play for six hours. It's it was a lot. I I got into Skyrim. Yeah, truly first year doctorate vibes. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I was like, I'd have like a big paper due, and it's like, oh, I gotta put down the video game, and I'd like have to like sit at the kitchen table as far away from the TV as possible. <laughs> so I just I didn't like sing sweet nothings to me, so I could like come over and start playing it again. Um. So I also want to just chip in with that as well, because obviously we've had the uh, at the time of recording recent release of the PlayStation Portable. You know, which people meme and it says is an expensive Wii U. Um, <laughs> you know, like you can play Skyrim on Switch as well now. I think you can play it on Toaster as well. We're pretty much there. Not the HD mm-hmm. version. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, how 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 much worse for you would it have been if you had a portable screen to play Skyrim on instead of just the one Oh, my TV? God. So much worse. So the funny part about this is because of when I finally played it, the Switch was actually released not too long after that, <laughs> like a year and a half, two years after that. Um, and I just remember sitting there going, I think I want a Switch <laughs> for, the, for me to be asked, but why? And I'm like, so I can take Skyrim with me was my was my honest answer. I was like, so I can take Skyrim with me. Um, thankfully, I'd already beaten it on PS4 at that point. I'd already gotten the Platinum. So it wasn't as much of a draw, but... I definitely started another game on the Switch and just kind of carried it around the house with me as I played it. Um, so I think it would have been bad. It's kind of like, uh, it's a good thing that, you know, I don't have a Steam Deck or I'd probably, if you can even play Starfield on the Steam Deck, I'd probably be carrying Starfield around the house with me. It's probably a good thing that like it's tied to my computer. I actually was on the train once and it's one of the fun things I do where I'll ask people what they're playing. If, you know, if I can't visibly mm-hmm. see what they're playing. Like, sorry to body, but I'm just curious. And uh, someone was actually playing Skyrim on the train once. And I was like, that's pretty dope. Ooh, um, I love that. So, firstly, our, uh, this is another teasing question. But you said you got platinum on it. You, you've mentioned you're a bit of an achievement hunter. How many platinums mm-hmm. do you have? Um, I only have three, actually. Okay. And they're all for open world games. <clears throat> so, I put a lot of time into games. And then get the platinum. And then, so like for instance, Starfield right now, um, you know, for Steam, it's not a platinum. It's a, uh, I guess, whatever, all whatever the version is. Yeah, you get the all achievements thing. Um, so the current one would be Starfield. Um, and as much as I am itchy to get that, a few of their trophies are a little more grindy. So I'm a little less likely to want to put in the grindy, you know, make 500 things at such and such whatever 
Um, back when I had my doctorate, I didn't, or back when I was getting my doctorate and I didn't want to do any work. <laughs> that was a lot more, that was a lot easier for me. Um, but the other two platinums I have are in Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Cyberpunk 2077. Nice. Nice. I feel like I am not someone who typically 100% games or ha I think I have like five platinums total. Um, two, two of which are for Final Fantasy VII Remake because the PS4, PS5 version have different trophies. For uh, so you, yeah. you double your money. Um, and like, yeah, it's just not something that I typically have. Too many games, not enough time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah. recently finished uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. And I was like, oh, I could I could 100% this. But like the last 10% is gacha toys. And I don't uh, want to spend yeah. five hours grinding coins to play literal gacha. Like, I'm okay. That's fair. Like, That's too, fair. Like, I, do I want the 100%? Yes. Do I want it that much? No. Yeah, I think that's the only reason why I didn't get it for The Witcher is I think one of the one of the trophies because I wanted to, um, but one of the trophies is you've got to play the game on Death March, which is like it's Dark Souls <laughs> level difficulty. And if I wanted to do that, I'd play Elden Ring or I'd play like Bloodborne at the time. Like I'd play a FromSoft game where I hate my life the entire time <laughs> I play it. <laughs> fair, fair. So we kind of like seemed seamlessly moved on from your work to fun stuff yes but my kind of question for anyone who particularly you know my, my nerdy therapist friends of which i'm looking to have a few um how do you kind of separate your like fun and enjoyment from work when your work involves games like i say i i experience this as like i spend more time reading and writing about games than i get to mm -hmm. play games what do you do? Is there another activity that you do that is external from work that you have as an enjoyment hobby? That's fair. That's fair. You know, what's interesting is that even when I did predominantly focus on the therapy thing, um, since I enjoy games so much and since it's a really big part of who I am, it was a little easier. I can tell you that now doing a lot of the writing thing, like you mentioned the Elder Scrolls, I'm currently editing a book. For Rachel's Zeitgeist series like that the Elder Scrolls book is mine which is quite quite literally like one of my dreams um that's where I find it a little bit harder to separate because like I need to replay oh no I need to replay Skyrim again uh, <laughs> I need to replay Oblivion again oh no um but at that point I'm looking for stuff right or I'm watching YouTube videos trying to like get all of the lore about this one character for a short period of time and that does feel a lot more like work and sitting at the same desk that also has my pc that i also use for telehealth gets really hard so i started actually i've been listening to audiobooks a lot more now um i've been i live in the great beautiful state of washington i try to get out of the house um now it's kind of cold so i can't exactly see the mountains but there's like a lot of like open bodies of water near us the sound is beautiful and there's islands there i like to like you know go out and go to like a restaurant on one of the little islands or try to see friends but we're all busy all my friends are busy um a lot of the friends that i have out here are also your friends and they're busy <laughs> everyone's busy <laughs> it's true um but just trying to remove myself i know i do find it interesting that um more so now than ever before i'm finding it harder to like want to sit down and play games 
I guess just because my whole life is pretty enmeshed in it. Um, just getting away from the desk, I think, is the biggest thing. It's I, hard I, when everything's at this desk. I do think that, like, touching grass is really important. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of that. But I do agree, like, it's very easy to, like, I work from home as well. So, like, I'm in this chair. I'm in this spot. Like, quitting time comes. Okay, close work computer down. Bit up phone computer. <laughs> like, yep. you know, it's, <laughs> I think, you know, that's one of the benefits of having something like, say, a Switch, where, like, I can at least go and sit in another room and, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, sit with my dog sat next to me or, you know, even just, like, in the same room as my partner or something, you know, things like that. Um, And that's quite helpful just to break up, like, your your relationship with your own physical space. It's yeah. quite ethereal, but you know what I mean. I agree. I even try to do little things, which I encourage some of my clients to do sometimes that like having the different computer helps, like being able to like shut the laptop screen down and put the laptop away and then turn on the PC, which got has fun lights in it or like, you know, turning on the lights in my background. Like that's how I transitioned from like it being work mode to being Amelia fun mode. Um, but like you said, <laughs> even like going downstairs to like, I just finished watching The Sopranos. Um which is quite quite the undertaking, I found out. Um, but even just having the time to just, I'm still sitting and maybe I'm not necessarily getting out of the house, but I'm not in my little office space. Um, <clears throat> you all can't see it, but like if I kind of just lean a little bit over to the side, I touch a wall. Um, mm. The window is right there. There's of course a wall right behind. And then you see this, it's a little box. Yeah. Like the part, of, the part of this room that's my office is literally a little box. Um, so it can, can feel a little small at times. Mm-hmm. And do you think like it's a like this? I'm trying to think of a way to frame this as a question, not a comment. Don't say mm-hmm. comments, people. I always ask questions. Um, <laughs> how do you find managing that, like, as someone who's a therapist, to people come to with problems like that? It's actually interesting. Um, one of the things that, particularly my practice, and I think some of us <clears throat> in the field are trying to do more and more, is trying to be a little more authentic. Like, for instance, if clients are seeking out, you know, help for ADHD, um, I promise this is getting to your question. Um, I like to say, like, hey, heads up, I am an ADHD provider. Um, so one of the you, you provide ADHD? Yes, I do. And it's it's chaos for everyone involved. Um <laughs> I would like a dose of ADHD, please. Make mine a double. Um, so a- <laughs> Especially if it's like on a Wednesday night or something my brain's all over the place um but what I like to say is because of that I have the experience that like a lot of the things that you've been told in the past about ADHD I'm not going to suggest that to you because I know better um but with that you also are going to be working with somebody with ADHD um so I do what I can to make sure that I separate myself from what my client and their problems are um, particularly with folks that really like gaming or in the gaming space. And if they're like, I really want to play Starfield, but I know my ADHD is not going to let me do this huge exam that I have coming up. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so there's a part of me that has to go, all right, how do we plan this? So, you know, you can start right after the exam or, you know, what boundaries can we put on it? Um, but then, you know, there is the little itty bitty part of me that's like, oh, man, I have the exact same problem. I'm happy I'm not writing anything right now. Like, 
my Black Mirror chapter is with that editor. Uh, my writers have just started. So I'm not doing anything. So thankfully, I could get lost in Starfield, but those boundaries are hard. But mm. it's all about trying to like focus on the individual and what might benefit them. Just because something benefits me or doesn't benefit me doesn't it's not doesn't mean it's not going to benefit the person I'm working with. I'm there to like help them figure out what's best for them, not for me to tell them what's best for them. Right. Nice. That's solid. So uh, this is a maybe slightly spicy question, but um, what are your feelings as both a therapist and, as you put it, ADHD provider on the recent surge in discussion of ADHD, both on social media, there was a big uh, BBC documentary around access to services and diagnoses, uh, that sort of reporting so much that you can privately get you know, a diagnosis on paper without even speaking to someone in some cases and things like this. Yeah. Um, as well as misinformation on social mm -hmm. media. What are, what's your take on that? Oh, that's that's difficult. Um, only because I'm going <clears throat> I'm going to do the unpopular thing and I'm going to be a tad sad about uh certain platforms. Um uh, I'm happy there's there's free information going around. I'm happy folks are talking. I'm happy folks are beginning to realize that things match up with their own experiences and finding out more about them. I think that's so detrimental, especially when there is no not access to service. Mm -hmm. Like I, you're more likely to figure something else out the more you hear about it than you would be to be totally isolated from it. Um, so I think that is the most important first step. It does concern me, though, um, that people are taking what their therapists are specifically telling them about themselves and their experience, and they're sharing it as a, if you go through this, you might have this diagnosis. And it's like, no, not all the time. Yeah, if you have a hard time concentrating, you might have ADHD, but you could also have trauma. You could also have anxiety at certain moments. You could have a lot of other stuff going on as well. You know, I do so, believe it falls under the age old correlation does not equal causation. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so as much as I love information going around and people trying to figure things out, excellent. There are there are certain resources with folks that aren't necessarily mental health professionals that do have enough background research in it. Um, to be able to kind of guide you in that direction, like how to ADHD is a wonderful, you know, YouTube channel. Jessica's done a lot of work to like develop all of the research that she has and to like tap into professionals when other people can't. Um, and there's, there's content creators out there like her. Um, and hearing other people's experience, yes, are helpful, but you know what, you should probably still try to see if there's a way for you to connect with a provider. And if connecting with a provider is hard, seek out those people that are a little <laughs> that are a little more reputable and listen to what they have to say. Um the person that you scrolled by on TikTok uh that's telling you that uh the fact that they can chug three glasses of water in under a minute means that they have some kind of weird neurological disorder. Maybe it <laughs> doesn't mean you have a weird neurological disorder, so you probably shouldn't just take that information and run with it. You might just be thirsty. I mean, if I was going to be pedantic, I'd be like, <laughs> your doctor would ask, are you repeatedly thirsty? Because that's maybe a marker for diabetes. You should go get checked. But, you know, yes. I'm not anyone's medical professional. Uh, I'm also very pedantic. So that's the type of thing I would totally put as a TikTok <laughs> comment if I were on the service. 
Yeah. Some sassy AF, you know what I'm saying? You, you know this. Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like we've we've covered a, a nice bit of ground there. I do feel like I forgot to ask one of the sort of main questions I like to ask, though, and I want to be respectful of your time. But if you could just whistle stuff, like, how how did you end up here? We You know, we, we kind of get a picture of like, your love for, like, Regis and stuff like that, but, you know, <laughs> where... How did how did we get to you know side day? What was the journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is actually a really fun question, uh, just because of my journey has been very strange. Um, so I decided I wanted to do psychology because I wanted to do forensic psychology in high school. Nice. Um, and I wanted to understand why people that um kind of offended, particularly like teenagers, like how they got there. Um, it seems like a big jump from being like, you know, having a hard time in school to like ending up shooting someone like that didn't seem like it it made any sense to me. Of course, at 16, maybe I kind of understood, but I still didn't get why it had to be that extreme. So I went in to college to get a psychology background. My goal was ultimately to eventually end up doing forensic psych. Um, and then I worked with teenage boys who were caught up in the system and realized that the way that they were able to open up more was when I was actually showing interest in what they were interested in. Um, and this was a unit where we ended up doing like Magic the Gathering and Minecraft. And we had a superhero group where the younger guys could talk about what superheroes they liked and how we could embody like this, you know, superheroes, like, you know, generosity and kindness and all of that into like how they could see the world and realizing how much of an impact that had and I was like there's something going on here and then I had a client that really liked Dungeons and Dragons watching him be able to DM for the other kids in this residential treatment home and seeing how they were forming connections based off of that I was like there's a thing here <laughs> so I decided that I was gonna run with it and see what it was like and then I started like running my own groups um, and actually this is one of, this is one of the best stories that I like telling. I just started getting into this and I was huge into critical role. I was watching it with everyone else, um, live on Thursday and then Liam O'Brien in character. I couldn't tell. It was like one of those days, you know, it's a, there, it's a live stream, like probably after a few hours you're exhausted. Right. And I remember being like, I can't tell if Liam O'Brien is really in character or if he's just having a tough day. And this was a tweet that I put out, right? And then he responded to my tweet going, um, I too do wonder. <laughs> and then a bunch of people started following me and liking the tweet. And I'm like, I am just a weirdo that's like trying to do my math homework. And suddenly I'm like blowing up on Twitter because he happens to answer me. And I'm like, hi, everyone. I'm a therapist. I use Dungeons and Dragons in therapy. This is like, I don't know, 2016, 20, 2017, I think. Um, just a weirdo that uses Dungeons and Dragons in therapy. Does anyone have resources? And then they they connected me with like Dr. Megan Connell. They connected me with Dr. B. They, can, they connected me with the people at Game to Grow. All humans, it seems like bigger than life to me at that time. And I started showing up to their live stream and I started meeting them at conventions and suddenly like, I'm friends with them. Uh, the old stalking How did that happen? methodology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> joking. Um, obviously I... joking for vid, <laughs> like for people listening to the audio that didn't see me laugh. <laughs> Excellent context. 
Um, so getting to be connected with this group of people and watching what they did and then being so willing to be like, yes, let's spread this. Let's do this. Like, let me help support you do this as well allowed me to get more confidence, to advocate, to get myself into the spaces that I wanted to get into. And quite frankly, that's how I ended up here. I like to make the joke that Liam O'Brien is the reason why I have my job. That's an excellent joke. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So these are two of my sort of favorite questions <clears throat> as we get to sort of the end of our schedule programming. But if you could have unlimited access to resources people expertise money time jeremy Bermy, whatever what would be your blue sky idea okay. and don't just say the next elder scrolls game because we're getting that not fast enough not fast enough um so i actually have two um one would be i'd love to be like the in-house psychological consultant for one of the game studios i really love hey bethesda i love you guys <laughs> please come find me. Uh, <laughs> um, I'd love to be able to like, you know, how do we do this thing in a safe way? Or how do we do this thing in a way that really captures it without triggering people? I'd love to be the person to be like, yeah, let's talk this through. Let's see how this, how we could do this. Um, I'd love that. I think that would be like, that's like where I ultimately eventually want to get. Um, the other one though, is I do think after taking the Dungeons and Dragons talk to APA, and watching how many psychologists showed up to this non uh uh continuing education credits is part of what we need to continue our license. Mm -hmm. My talk didn't have continuing education and normally non-CE'd talks aren't very well attended. We were a non-CE'd talk and three four three quarters of our room was filled. Oh wow. And it was a big room too. GG. Like it wasn't like a little room, it was a big room. Um and how many people came up to talk to me at the end of that? We need more of this in the APA and we need we need we need spaces where we can find people like you so we can like network. You know, just even just come down to PAX. We're all uh... Hey, <laughs> we're hanging out somewhere together. Um, but even like a friend of mine happened to run into somebody who was like, Oh, I'm a therapist and I want to bring game narrative into therapy. Isn't that cool? And he had to be like bunch of those folks exist and realizing that we're not getting to people people don't know we exist you know if um, only we could get people like yourself on a podcast oh goodness to distribute to the masses that's a great idea i feel like someone should do that we should do that we should and then we'll give it a funny name like sank to be with you because it's predominantly psychological i love it it's catchy i think it's gonna i think it's gonna work yeah but yeah creating creating those spaces like i I've known so many people that have attempted to take on the big psychological organizations to try to like get a gaming chapter in it or to get a division related to that. And I feel like for me, if I can find the spoons and the energy, honestly, that's a big goal. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be one of the people that pushes for that. Okay. And I, I feel like you kind of touched on this already, but is there any one person that you would like to give a little shout out to who you think maybe doesn't get enough recognition or enough time in the, the spotlight? Um, I mean, if you're mentioning, I should shout out Liam O'Brien for getting me my job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you answering that random tweet on that random Thursday. You changed the course of my life, actually, if I'm being honest, um, pretty significantly. Um, uh, otherwise, not one particular person 
but there's a lot of folks out there that want to continue to do this and that want to expand the field. And like, you know, Chris and I, like our, our friend group, a lot of the people that we know and we're connected to both professionally and personally, like there are a lot of the big names in the field. There are a lot of the people really making differences and like hitting the ground running and doing changes (laughs) um, in order to challenge uh, mental health and gaming. But I think there are so many other people out there that are doing that, that they don't get seen or recognized. And I think that it's important to, to know that you all matter too, even if it's just you and your little rural mental health center somewhere, being the weird geek expert that all of the college boys seem to really like, you're making a difference too. And I think that those folks really need to know that like we see them and we recognize them and we want to make sure that they're getting the support and resources that they need. Come find me. I want to help. <laughs> no, and I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing this were it not for have been, you know, that level of being taken in by, being put under the wing of other yeah. people who are already further down the road, further up the chain, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it really is an important part of the process. I do think I try and, you know, continue to uplift and, and reach where, where possible. Very mm-hmm. important. I agree. Um, so my last sort of question for you is, is a series of quick fire questions. Yes. You are going to a biodome of your choice. You don't have to disclose what type of weather format you're giving yourself. I just wouldn't go to a tropical island, not for me. Um, you can take with you one album, one film, one book, one game. What are you taking? The only rules are everything will magically work with unlimited battery power, etc., etc., electricity. You'll have safe environment. We're not survivalists, okay? Um, if it comes or is sold as an entire collection, you can have it. Um, box sets are fine. TV show over film, you know that type of thing. Oh, excellent. Okay, TV show over film was about to be was about to be my question. Uh, only because I have films that I like, but not ones. That, I'm like with movies. I'm one of those people. That even my favorites, I can only see like a few times before I never want to see them again. Um, but for like a TV show, it'd probably be Deadwood. Okay. 100% Deadwood. Um, for an album, it would be um, probably the, I'm going to say this wrong, the Emblas Saga um, by Brothers of Metal, which is all about like, you know, um, Nordic mythology and song, which metal music specifically, which I love. Um, as far as a book, it'd probably be The Witcher. <laughs> Just love it so much. Um, and video I mean, like, game. It also comes in a complete collection. Like I've I've got like exactly. a, the e-reader version. It's one book, but has all the books in it. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, for even for me, like hiding behind on my shelf, I've got um a little figurine of Regis. It's really cool that Dark Horse actually made one of those. Um, shout out Dark Horse. Um, right behind my Zeitgeist is actually this is actually the the core five of the saga. Um, is hiding on the bookshelf over there. So it'd probably be that. I'd probably take that. Um, and for video game. This is, see this video is game. Rough. This is this is the hard one. Only because they like they rotate for me. And like whatever I'm currently focused on is what I'm currently focused on. So since since we are currently, you know, in, in the age of Amelia being obsessed with Starfield, probably have to be Starfield. All right. Last last one. I also just want to touch base on Skyrim again. What do you have a preferred class slash style that you apply? Oh, 
I am the sneaky archer, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, hey, so I get this is apparently like a trope, but like that is, def- is. That, that is what I would choose to do. That is the path I typically go down those type of games. Yeah. I feel like it's such a meme that I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I try to, I always try to do a different build. Like I'm always like, I'm going to be like a barbarian. Like I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to be someone that I can walk in and just like slice everything up and leave. And I don't. I like end up on one bad boss and the uh, the bow comes out again, like, and I'm trying to like shoot the thing down from across the room, you know. Um, however, my favorite, my favorite like faction is the College of Winterhold. Like that's like the tattoo that I have is a sigil from the College of Winterhold. You would think I'd use more magic for liking that. I just I use an incremental amount of magic, but I'm typically shooting things down with my bow. Fair. Okay. Um, are there any questions that you'd have or you'd like to ask for me? I like to ask for me, ask to me. I like to flip my own tables, tear my own tables. I, what are words? Would you like to ask me anything? Um, I have been asked how my PhD is going, what the PhD is, and the biodome question. So I would uh, advise not asking that. I've also been asked recently, what am I looking forward to? Which the answer is still the same. So please don't ask that either. But any questions apart from those ones? So what I'm hearing is Amelia, please go back and listen to old episodes. So I think listeners, if they haven't already, should definitely do that. (laughs) All right, I do actually have a question for you. Um, When are you going to play Skyrim? (sighs) How long is a piece of string? Okay, I I (laughs) I have a thesis to to write. Okay, we're not going to talk about progress. I have a thesis to write and a and then a (laughs) viva to defend it to do. I do want to play Skyrim. I, I think I have an old un-HD'd version um, on something. Looks like, you know, on PC or something. But it is a game I want to play. It's just, again, it's that. I, I want to play it at a point where I can finish work and not go, crap, I have a million things to do and I can actually just sink a few hours into it over the course of maybe not a year and a half, but, you know, <laughs> a good few months to kind of just power through it. I mean, I would also lay off Skyrim if you played the Blend and Wine expansion of The Third Witcher, which should not be as long as a Skyrim would be. But I also know you've got fun stuff to do, and I know you've got a big, big secret project upcoming once your thesis is done. So there's that as well. I will wait yeah. patiently. I will wait patiently. I'll do it though, and I'll tell you about it. And I don't know. Good. You know, I'll stream it live as well because I do that a lot. Why not? Heck yes. All right. So then last thing is where where can people find you? All the links attached to wherever you found this episode, as always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I'm still on the bird site. Um, Even though it's not the bird site anymore, it's still the bird site. Um, site. It always will be. The bird site. Uh, So I'm wandering shrink. I'm also wandering shrink throughout the interwebs. Um, the only place where you're going to type in wandering chink and get me but not get me is probably Instagram, but I have a professional Instagram attached to that. I'm, I'm also at wanderingshrink.com because I bought into the brands pretty hardcore three years ago and I love it. So just honestly, wherever wandering shrink is, it is most likely be 95% of the chance it's going to be me. Do you really need to make a website? It's on my list of things to do. It's a long list. All right. Well. Dr. Amelia, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time and company. It's been a fabulous chat. Really one for the nerds out there. I.e. everyone. Oh, yeah, for 
<laughs> but um, all I have to say is is thank you for joining me. I'll flip over to our ending screen for those watching along. For those listening, you're basically uninterrupted. Don't worry about it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Psyched to be with you. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you did, do please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps. Uh, otherwise, check out the description of the episode for the links for the guest, but also uh, to keep up with information about the show and myself. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this listen. Uh, until next time, take it easy. Look after your mind, body, and soul, and I'll see you again for another episode very, very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>